and live by gut instincts. Instead, you've got to live by the Spirit, and you've got to deal with them. Now, to mortify, we've been given that power to, to do that, is, is by its very usage, aggressive. And there's a reason for that. And here it is. Some of you probably, you know, you're, you're beginning to think now. The wheels are turning. I see that happening. All right. All these sins that are listed are aggressive in nature. These are the kind of things that will come uh, into a person's life and experience and they'll say, oh, just a little bit of that, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they take over. And it's like an addiction. It is like, boom, pull you down to the bottom of the pool, the septic tank, and hold you on the bottom. We're talking about control. We're, we're talking about ultimate destruction. These sins will take control. It is impossible for an unsaved person to maintain control over these sins. And for a saved person who is not yielded to God, it may be a very bumpy road, a very long trip. These things can be committed by Christians, but these things are going to have and take such a toll. My, oh my, oh my. We're, we're told to be aggressive towards it. For example, Paul tells Timothy, flee fornication. Run away from it. Don't stick around. What did Joseph down in Egypt do? He fled the adulterous uh, advances of Potiphar's wife. That's the only way to deal with it. You say, well, he should have gotten out of there. Didn't have a choice. He was a slave. So he had to deal with it. Guess what? You may find yourself in a situation where you have to physically flee, run away from, get a change totally from that situation. So there it is. There it absolutely is. Now, I told you that uh, this has a context, and I'd like to just take a, a quick look at what Colossians and Colossians 3 is all about. The book of Colossians is about the church that had been infiltrated by other thoughts and, and philosophies and religion and ideologies that were contrary to New Testament Christianity. Paul was, was telling them that they needed Christ and Christ alone. That was it. And he goes into chapter 3 speaking about our behavior. There is a serious connection between what we profess to believe and how we behave. In order for us to behave consistently with what we believe, you can't put it on autopilot every day. We have to be aware. We have to be sensitive. You have to be awake. I, as pastor, have to be sensitive and awake to everything that's going on under the surface in the church that I can find out about. And it's not about, it's not about uh, you know, it's none of my business. Uh, it's our own private business. No, you are my business. And what's going on in the church is my business. And I must give an account, the Bible says. And so here in chapter 3, we, we read in the first four verses about salvation, separation, safety, spirituality, and splendor, and that alliteration is provided by one of the disciples of R.G. Lee, none other than Dr. John Butler. It's a, it's a great little outline, and uh, we have this connection now between belief and behavior. Paul is spelling out clearly what kind of conduct is expected of the believer and what kind of conduct should not be practiced by the believer. So we have him talking about 
you know, killing this sin, slaying the sin. And the sins that are listed are, are put out there so that we will not be left in the dark. Number one is fornication. Fornication is an English word which is given and hardly is ever used. People don't use that. Fornication is sexual sin. Now, physical relationships uh, should be between one man and one woman who are legally married and, and uh, hopefully for life, and uh, there's nothing to interrupt that. That's the way it's supposed to be. Any sexual activity outside of marriage is wrong. And uh, so it can be uh, sinful if it's a man and a woman, uh, or if it's uh, two people of the same gender, or whatever it may be, it is wrong if it's outside of marriage. Fornication, the word is porne or pornea. Uh, uh, a prostitute uh, would have this same designation. A person who sells uh, their uh, sexual activity would have this same designation in Greece. So they have no problem understanding the clarity of this. I just want to make sure we Americans who speak English have clarity on this. The whole broad spectrum of sexual activity outside of the bonds of holy matrimony is in view here. And we are to put to death any sexual activity. That would be pornography. That would be what you read, what you see. And for some folks, because of the aggressive nature of that, some folks need to get rid of their television set. Some people need to turn off their electronic devices. I know an individual, a professional, I counseled years ago, and he could not walk past the magazine rack because any little thing would set it off. And you say, well, uh, don't they cover up things in magazine racks? Sometimes they do, but sometimes it doesn't take that full entire view to set off a person who is in the bondage of this sin. I'm talking about something that is so severe that it'll ruin your life, it'll ruin your marriage, it'll ruin your family, it'll ruin your, your livelihood, it'll take everything, suck every bit of life out of your entire being. The devil knows how we're made. God made us so that we would have that fulfillment in marriage. But people who are not balanced, who are not scriptural, who are not right with God, People who are not under the control of the grace of God are going to have a problem in that area. All right, so even, even those that are church members, even those that are saved, plagued by this, all right? Secondly, put to death, mortify, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness. This is all kinds of the more sordid sins. We're talking about those things that shouldn't even be spoken of in mixed crowds, but I'm talking about homosexuality, and, and so forth. I'm not going to go any further than that because I don't want to start you down that path. It is rotten. It is everything that is wrong. And we need to sometimes go home, take a spiritual bath after uh, even considering this. Inordinate affections. Inordinate affections. That means evil desires, depraved passions, according to Thayer's uh, and we are depraved, and when we are left to our own devices, depravity uh, uh, has fruit and has uh, results and uh, will we'll end up producing something 
horrible, something awful. And uh, it is uh, uh, evil desires and iniquitous cravings, evil concupiscence. This is wicked. It means uh, very similar to inordinate affection, but it is, it is wicked and, and nasty and awful and low down. You see, we're getting a guided tour through the sewer here. And uh, then we have also put to death, mortified, not only fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, in, uh, evil concupiscence is, uh, is uh, an insatiable desire. An insatiable desire. And then covetousness, which is idolatry. And in 1 John chapter 5 and uh, verse 21, we have uh, little children, keep yourselves from idols. The worst kind of idolatry is covetousness. That, that would be applied in this sense to those who are looking on others that they're not married to and imagining this would be what the world considers to be normal, but what we know is wicked. It's called fantasizing. Now, I've been very specific with you, and I know that we've got young and old alike in our audience, <clears throat> but I'll guarantee you that what some of the things they've been exposed to is far worse than some of the things I've said tonight. What I've said tonight was designed to save you and them and everyone from a horrible end. We, uh, we have support here. Support for the slain. That means things which are under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is going to come on, of course, the children of disobedience. We're not going to ever experience the wrath of God. Jesus took all the wrath. You read about that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Aren't you glad? We're not, we're not subject to the wrath of God. That's been taken. But the sins that we are capable of committing as believers are the kinds of sins that cause people who are not yet saved from getting saved or even listening to a salvation message. How many times have you soul winners been talking to somebody and you saw that you know, their eyes were open but there's nobody home? Oh yeah, distracted. They wanted to get back to their filth. They wanted to get back to their, their rotten mindset. And that'll send people to hell because it won't allow them the space to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have the interest or the time. And praise God that we've seen some that have been saved out of that, but it's not an easy, easy trip. Divine judgment supports the exhortation by Paul to kill these sins. Kill them. If you don't kill them, something worse could happen. Dr. Butler again says this, if you do not destroy sin, sin will destroy you. If you do not destroy sin, sin will destroy you. Here's uh, something that most people don't consider. When God built your five senses and put them in you, those five senses were designed to be used for God's glory. God created us for His own good pleasure. And yet every sense of mankind has been perverted and has even become the basis for false belief systems. So behaviors and beliefs have been perverted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every day when we get up, we ought to say, Lord, I, I'm thankful now. I, I know I'm, I'm not what I was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. 
physically, but I thank you, Lord, that I can get up and I've got strength in my arms and my legs and I'm thankful that I've got my mind. People will often comment. Just this past week, a fellow said to me, it was at the Beast Feast, he said, I'm X amount of years old and I told him how old I was and I was older than he was. And I don't know if I look younger. I don't want to sound in any way you know, vain or self-directed, but uh, he didn't take up my offer to go 10 rounds or even one round. But uh, he said, you're in good shape. And I gave God all the credit. Now, the Lord and Gwendolyn, uh, good food, right, right living supplements, abstaining from things that would destroy my life. I'm very thankful. And I have every opportunity, unless the Lord takes me home, and He might, but unless He takes me home sooner, uh, I've got longevity in my genetic makeup. My family has lived a long time. They all... Uh, live way beyond the average of their generation, and, and we're kind of on, uh, on that uh, direction, I think. And the only reason I say this is, part of the devil's plan, his plot, is to get you to dissipate your life, Christian, so that you go to an early grave. Before he died, Mickey Mantle came to Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad he did. He had lived a life of dissipation. He could drink you under the table, I am told. But Bobby Richardson, who played second base for the Yankees, led, led the Mick to Christ before he died. One of the things Mickey Mantle was famous for saying was, if I would known I'd lived so long, I would have taken better care of myself. Because it wasn't just his knees, but his liver gave out. And he had kind of a rough life. Not everybody knows this, but at his funeral, at his funeral, Bobby Richardson preached that salvation message drew the net. Praise God. Bobby Richardson spoke in our church back in Minnesota when I was growing up as a teenager. And, uh, and I'm so glad he did that. And he said, Mickey would want you all to know Jesus. And in that crowd, you got, you got more members of Cooperstown uh, Hall of Fame than, than any other place, any other time probably. They're all listening. And he gave that plan of salvation and he drew that net. And uh, it was kind of a bittersweet occasion because his life had been substantially shortened. What a talent he had. I have no doubts. If circumstances had been different, he would have been the all-time home run champion. I have no doubt that that season when Roger Maris hit 61 out, that, uh, that Mickey would have hit more than that. But his, his lifestyle is what did it. And for too many Christians, we have folks that are living by their five senses and not in a godly fashion, not in a God-honoring, Christ-exalting fashion. Our music, our art, our talents, our intellects should be directed toward glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. Amen. The evil desires that are spoken of here are pictured as some, some monster grabbing. Grabbing and holding on and never letting go like the worst possible nightmare that you could have. And that's exactly what happens in the realm of our five senses when we're not dedicated to Jesus Christ. That grasping, that grabbing is pictured in the word covetousness. 
grabbing for someone or something that's not yours to have. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. No, 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 no. We need to mortify. The love of money is the root of all evil. Paul wrote to Timothy, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There are some folks right now who are saying, well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't uh, commit fornication. Ah, but what's your attitude toward the things of this world? None of your business, preacher, on how much stuff we have. No, probably not. But it is God's business on how much of that stuff has you. That's it. Can't take it with you. Amen. Praise the Lord that we are hid in Christ. Praise the Lord for what it says in Jude. The half-brother of Jesus wrote these words. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how that he told you that ye, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Walking, walking, that means their lifestyle, their pattern. These be they who separate themselves sensual, five sense driven, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves. There's the responsibility. You say, well, it's God's fault that he didn't keep me. God has provided everything we need. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking tonight. And how many of you would say, Preacher, something in the message tonight was pertinent and relevant for me? Slip your hand up high. It was for me. God bless you. God bless you, and I trust that we'll take it to heart and make application with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you can say, I know, I know, I know, I look back and I know that I've been saved the Bible way. I know heaven is my home. I know it's all taken care of. Slip your hand up high. Let me see it right now. Ah, God bless you. Father, we pray now for all of these. And while our heads are bowed, if you've never received Christ, then right now would you call on the name of Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart, save my soul, take away my sins, and take me to heaven when I die. And if you've prayed that prayer, come and tell us. 